Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Surprise! The census miscalculated. The U.S. Census Bureau said it considerably undercounted the number of Hispanic, Black, and Native American people living in the U.S. and overcounted the number of white and Asian residents. It concluded that the undercount rates for 2020 were not statistically different from the previous tally back in 2010. And yeah, the scope of the flaws in the 2020 census were there, but some experts noted that many undercounts in other areas were not statistically different from those in the 2010 count. So, you know what? That's a triumph after all. Oh, okay. So the total count of the U.S. population is 323.2 million people. Up 5%. Give or take, here or there, somewhere around there. But it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's, It's okay. All right? It's not statistically different. It's all good. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Ninety-three percent of your life is spent indoors. But so many of our favorite moments are outdoors. The fresh air, the feeling of peace. Since warmer weather is well, it's almost here. Guess it's here really in most places. Let's make the most of it. With Outer, the new outdoor furniture company with purposely designed furniture to get you outdoors more. Outer makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, high-quality outdoor furniture, all from sustainable materials, and it is the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort for less than you'd pay at the big box store for something that really won't last. Outer's better in every way because they've spent years perfecting outdoor products, stunning modular designs to customize your space, Life-proof material with a nano-coating that's water, mold, bleach, and stain-resistant. Over a 1,000 neighborhood showrooms across the country to see the outer difference in person. And a triple memory foam cushions that are comfier than most of the indoor sofas. So you're going to want to be outside. Outer's patented built-in outer shell. Their outer shell cover protects your furniture from rain and dew. It's how... uh, It's the... uh, how did no one think of this before invention that made uh, people on Shark Tank uh, want to invest in outer? Uh, when's the last time you were out shopping for outdoor furniture? You know, like cushions? Yeah, cushions. We were out not long ago. I was, oh man, we were looking for outdoor cushions to replace ours that have taken a beating. And uh, really, uh, well, I mean, ours just don't look good anymore. And so they're not really comfortable anymore. And so we were at the old big box store that didn't really have a great selection. And their selection really wasn't, um, what's the word, good. But that's where outer furniture comes in with options, like I said, that are teak, aluminum, and wicker. The outer has the perfect look for every yard. Outer furniture comes with the best in-class warranties, 
10 years for their chic aluminum line and a two-week trial with free returns. See the difference at liveouter.com slash Jeffy. Plus, for a limited time, $300 off and free shipping. This is the Outer's best offer anywhere. Only available to podcast listeners, you know, chewing the fat listeners, and only for a limited time. Get $300 off, free shipping. Go to liveouter.com slash Jeffy. Liveouter.com slash Jeffy. Terms and conditions apply. Liveouter.com slash Jeffy. Good news. TikTok uh, nears a deal with Oracle over U.S. security concerns. The uh, social media app looking to store its uh, U.S. user information, not all of it, just the U.S. user information with Oracle, without the Chinese owner or the Chinese government being able to access it. Mm, If you say so. Um, And good news, though, that uh, the White House this administration just briefed the most influential TikTok stars on the war in Ukraine. And I wish it was Kamala Harris giving the briefing, but it wasn't. Uh, but they did that so that the TikTokers could be better informed when talking about the conflict to their millions of followers. Because that's what the TikTokers are doing, is talking about the Ukraine war. Man, if you look at all the TikTok lives... Have you ever scrolled through the lives on TikTok? I mean, I have. I don't have a TikTok account. I may know a couple of people that have TikTok accounts. And the lives, man, are... The ones that I've scrolled through have not been Ukraine heavy. But maybe I'm, you know, looking at the the wrong feed. But uh, according to this, Russia is paying Russian TikTok influencers to post pro-Kremlin narratives about the war. Oh, okay. That's the same Kremlin that's banning Instagram. So Russia announced it would block Instagram in the country beginning today. Following a series of temporary changes the company made to its violent speech policies in certain countries. It's the first time Russia has named Instagram a target. Well, I mean, they banned Facebook and Twitter already in the country, so I guess, all right, if you, you know, you counting those separate, let's do that. Vlad was a little pissed at, uh, at Instagram and Meta <laughs> when they permitted uh, their users in Ukraine, Russia, Poland, not everywhere, Ukraine, Russia, Poland, well, and a few other Eastern European countries to call violence against Russian soldiers. Huh. So they also temporarily permitted posts calling for the deaths of Russian President Vladimir Putin and President uh, Lushenko of Belarus. So that's it, though. So? So? Well, Meadows saying, ooh, yeah, hey, we had, to, we had to do a little policy pivot there because of the invasion. So we wanted to, you know, begin allowing users to praise the Ukraine far-right military unit and Oh, okay. They were previously restricted under the dangerous individuals and organizations policy. Oh, okay. Meta says that the temporary rule relaxations are limited to posts targeting Russian soldiers 
including POWs, and where the context is clearly about Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So the policy change is kind of concerning to all the human rights advocates. There's so many of those on TikTok. I know we're talking about Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Meta defended the choice. Really? They defended the choices they made? Huh. If we applied our standard content policies without any adjustments, we would be removing content from ordinary Ukrainians expressing their resistance and fury at the invading military forces, which would rightly be viewed as unaccessible or unacceptable, said Meta President of Global Affairs Nick Clegg. That's a good gig right there. Meta President of Global Affairs. That's good. Now, for those of us you know, peons that are under the standard content policies, you know, like, I don't know, probably you and me. You may have, uh, I don't know how many listeners are listening to Chewing the Fat in Ukraine right now, but, uh, you know, welcome. How you doing? I hope you're good with the new policies. You're not under the standard content policies. But Facebook has introduced a new automatic deletion of misinformation that's good, right? For those of us under the standard content policies. And when, so what happens? It's, okay, so we've heard from Meta President of Global Affairs, Nick Clegg. Now, the Facebook Vice President of Communities. I mean, that's another good gig right there. Vice President of Communities, Maria Angelido Smith. Okay. Incoming posts that uh, contain content rated by third-party fact-checkers as false are declined before they are seen in the group, which helps reduce the visibility of misinformation. Does it? Does it, Maria Angelo Smith? I mean, yeah, I guess. So uh, just cut it out. Now, I, nobody needs to see that post great that we are under the standard content policies anyway that's what's going on over there at the uh, in the meta world chewing the fat at the blaze.com is uh, the email address that uh, i received this email from Braden. jeffy my wife told me the story linked below and i have to hear your thoughts about this if tips are split should she have had to split the winnings? I was like, okay, dude, Brent, I got it. Man. All right, take it easy. All right. So I clicked on the link. I wasn't hacked. It was a real story. <laughs> Although I will say, I did see the link that I clicked on when I got hacked in another thread this weekend. And I thought, ooh, it's still working. I mean, it's still out there. It's still out there. I deleted the I deleted the guy from my messenger. Yeah, no, I don't want anything to do with you, bro. Okay, no, it is not me in the video because the link it says is this you in the video, and then there's a link, and like I would click on it from that guy, but the one that I got hacked from, I was like, I don't know, and I clicked on it. And as soon as I clicked, I don't. Know. I mean, we've been through that. So anyway, the email that Braden sent, I did reply, but I was reading the story. It's a fascinating story, man. So this, this story, quick thumbnail, 
and then I'll tell you the story, all right? The lady uh, gets a lottery ticket as a tip, wins, the world goes to hell. So Edward Seward walked into Grand Bay Waffle House, and who doesn't love the Grand Bay Waffle House in Grand Bay, Alabama? I mean, oof. this happened nearly 20 years ago. Sat down, ate breakfast. That was the day that uh, changed the life of the waitress serving him. As Seward was paying up, he gave the lottery ticket as a tip, something he often did as one of the regulars. Tonda Dickerson, a then-divorced woman in her late 20s, was the recipient on that Sunday. The next draw wasn't until the following Saturday. It's a Florida lottery ticket, all right? And if you're not familiar with the Grand Bay Waffle House there in Alabama... If you go to Florida, Alabama's right next door. And cross over, it's right there. If you, I'm all, you know, the, this hand is is the the Panhandle of Florida. This is Alabama here. Anyway, so <laughs> you can see why you'd have some crossover. Anyway, so a week later, it hits ten mil. Nice. Uh, she elected for the three hundred and seventy-five thousand over thirty years. Dumb. That's dumb. Now, they claim in this story, uh, oh, she won and she decided to get the 375000 over 30 years rather than the lump sum, a move generally regarded as wise among financial planners and other economic experts. Is it? Is it? Because I say no to that. <laughs> I, am a, I am not a financial planner. And I can see that if you were to think that you were going to blow it all, perhaps you feel better about your life, you know, knowing that you've got 375000 coming for the next 20, 30 years. But my thought is, is that perhaps you're not going to have that 30 years of lottery money coming. We've already got some lottos in the, the North that are, you know, postponing payments. Hmm. Hmm. So you'd be better off taking the cash payout. I just I'll take care of my own money. Thank you. Okay. So she she does that. Now she found herself in multiple legal battles with friends, colleagues, the IRS. I love man. Me and the IRS. Oof, as one. And even Seward, the guy that gave her the ticket. Okay, so the biggest problem she faced was claiming her money was her fellow colleagues, okay? So court filings at the time, those colleagues claimed that the winnings from the lottery tickets given by customers as tips would be shared equally. But since it was a tip, Dickerson believed it belonged to her, okay? So it took the jury about 45 minutes to decide. Now that went to court, and the, the jury said, yeah, no, you, did, you agreed to split any of the winnings. I, and I, I, I do agree with that. Uh, I, I did reply with deal's a deal in the email. I mean, that's why you, you feel bad. You're like, oh, crap. You know, I can't. I bought this one separately. It wasn't with the tip. Good luck with that. You know, because everybody, whoever was there, and that's what they thought. And they had uh, some... Uh, customers that testified at the trial that were like they've talked about it with the cashiers before because they were they had a lot of a lot of regulars at the old grand bay waffle house i have to stop in there the next time i'm driving through the alabama florida panhandle now dickerson appealed to the alabama supreme court which reversed the circuit court decision because the waffle house waitresses 
that deal was unenforceable because under Alabama law, it was founded on gambling consideration, oh, which is illegal in Alabama. Oh. Okay. So that's the same week that Seward, the guy who gave her the ticket, <laughs> was denied by a judge. Uh, he tried to get a new truck out of the deal. He was like, uh, <laughs> he claimed that uh, there was also an agreement. She said she would buy me a truck if uh, if she won. Really? Yeah, no, get out of here. The judge was like, take a hike. You're out of here. Now, uh, I, then, then, so we got that going on, right? So then uh, her divorced ex-husband, she was divorced, I don't know, 97, a couple years before the lottery win, lottery win, was shot trying to kidnap her. So he takes her, and uh, as she was driving uh, a truck, uh, all the time they were driving, she told her that uh, he was going to kill her. He was like, I'm going to kill you. I want the money. They drove to some to Jackson County on Highway 90. You know where that's at, right there in Jackson County. And uh, where he took her to the boat launch at Bayou Heron, of course. I mean, that's right there. Who hasn't launched a boat at the Bayou Heron? During the, during the trip to the boat launch, Dickerson's cell phone rang, but he, he didn't let her. Martin, the ex-hubby, says, don't be answered. You're not answering your cell phone. Well, I'm going to take you out on a boat and kill you. So then it rings back again. And she talks him into answering the phone. Come on, let me answer it. I won't say anything. If they, if I don't answer it, they're going to start looking for me. And then, you know, they'll know it was you. <laughs> they'll know it was you because, man, when, you, when I'm missing, you think, hey, I bet he's down Highway 90 in Jackson County at the Heron boat launch. But you never know. That could be true. So then he agreed to let her answer it. She reaches into her purse Pulls out the 22 handgun she's got in her purse. I mean, it's kind of stupid of this guy. No wonder she divorced him. He doesn't take the purse. He's going to kidnap her, and she's still got her purse. I mean, holy cow. And she's got a gun in it. He doesn't take it. Dumb. And so then she she treats She shoots him. She doesn't kill him. Right. She shoots him in the chest. <laughs> and then takes him to the hospital. Oh, man. And I guess he, he lived, but you know, I, I don't think any charges were filed or anything. They were just like, yeah, he tried to kidnap me. Yeah, I shot him. We'll go back home now. Oh, okay. All right. Then the IRS tried to say that uh, Dickerson uh, owed a bunch of money from the deal because uh, of, the, of the lottery win. Now, in uh, court filings, the IRS ended up being wrong huh to demand a million dollars in gift tax on top of income taxes after she gave most of her winnings away to families through other businesses they set up plus she had to split it up with the other waitresses so then they claimed that uh, the ticket was worth only a fraction of the face value. that's nice of the irs to come along nice and so i guess now according to the story they don't know they were checking her out on some social media posts. You know, that's the new stalking. Just so you know. That's that's new. Everybody is a stalker now. Yeah, that's right. You could quote me on that. Uh, 
She works as a poker dealer at the Golden Nugget Casino in Biloxi. So, I mean, I guess that's better than the old Grand Bay Waffle House. Working as a poker dealer at the Golden Nugget Casino in Biloxi. So, I don't know if she's still getting, you know, if she's still okay. If she ended up with, you know, getting some money from the lotto or is when the check gets mailed, it's already out. That's why. Okay, if she had just did what she was supposed to do from the beginning, make the deal. Like, if you bought a lottery ticket, haven't you ever joked around? And I say joking around because I would feel bad if I, you know, the the one lady that I, from time to time, buy lottery tickets from. I always say, you know, give me a winning ticket. I get you a cut. I'll give you a cut. How much would that cut be, though, I never say. So I got to be careful what I say now, right? Because if I hit, I'm going to have to go back and give her, you know, 30, 40,000. Will that be enough? If I, for 10 million, uh, you're welcome for 20 or 30, all right, 40,000. All right, 50,000, get out of here. That seems, I mean, it, it, only 10 million, only 10 million seems, uh, you know, if you were to hit the big one, you know, a couple hundred million, then, you know, give you a little bit of a little bit of something, something from the stack of cash I got in my pocket. You know, my rolled bills up in the pocket. How you doing, baby? Yeah, I hit. There you go. Here's some money for you. <laughs> but a deal's a deal. Right? I mean that they we got there were some other great stories that we'll get to this week about lottery winners where they had fights in the office over the office pool for lottos and it hits and the guy the one guy decided to yeah yeah that was my separate ticket that wasn't part of the office pool oh no i mean you joke around about something like that but not in real life bro no so uh i mean a deal's a deal you make a deal you tell someone you're gonna that's part of the deal that's the deal. You can quote me on that. The deal's a deal. You tell someone that that's the deal. That's the deal. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink. Desperately. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that did not have the fresh pop I was hoping for. Still refreshing, though. All right, so we're in the break room. I've got some announcements for you here in the break room before we get to who died today because the list of who died today, man, I feel like I'm working at a funeral home. But uh, the announcements here in the break room for Chewing the Fat, okay? Uh, I'm going to do everyone a favor that listens to Pat Gray Unleashed, okay? They've started bingo again, and the first person to get bingo wins a prize, you go you get a coupon to get a prize from the store blaze radio store but what's the what's the address again amorphophallus yeah <laughs> dot store dot com <laughs> and if you're the first person to get bingo and call then you know you win the prize and i know you're supposed to listen to pat every day 
to cross off your bingo sheet, which is at there, you know, pinned to the top of their Twitter account. So what I'm going to do for you at the end of each show, the end of each chewing the fat, I'm going to give you the squares that were X'd off that day during Pat Unleashed. Can't tell anybody, okay? I am the bingo whisperer for the Pat Gray Unleashed show. Yes, you should listen. 100% should listen to Pat Gray Unleashed. But I'm going to help you out. Make sure you didn't miss any. Okay? All right. But you can't tell anybody. All right? All right. Don't forget, uh, we got uh, Talking Walking Dead tonight. We're smack dab into the middle of uh, the final season and the second half of the three-part season for the final season. And I've come up with a, a way for you to participate in our game show, What's the Lie? All right. Email me, chewingthefatattheblaze.com, if you want to be a contestant on What's the Lie? And we've played every Friday here on Chewing the Fat. I'm on a, I don't know. I'm on vacation this week, okay? You know, the game show host. The game show host is on vacation this week. I just don't want to play. But if you email me, chewingthefatattheblaze.com, and, you know, you want to be a contestant on uh, What's the Lie, uh, I'm going inf- to need your phone number and a way to contact you. Uh, that's the way to contact you, actually, the phone number. And I'll reply to the email chosen, and then we'll work out a time when we're, do- when we're recording. What's the lie? Right. So that you can participate in the Chewing the Fat What's the Lie game show. And hopefully your excitement will be a little bit more than the last few contestants we've had on What's the Lie. Okay? All right. So, who died today? Who died today? So we have we have several people who uh, are on the list today. A busy Monday in the world of who died today. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, his longtime personal assistant, Marilyn Love, passed away. Rest in peace, Marilyn. The entire uh, organization is devastated. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Little sister. Died at 91. Rest in peace. Bobby Nelson. Emilio Delgado. 81. The Sesame Street actor. He played fix-it-up shop owner Luis Rodriguez. (laughs) You, of course, remember Remember the fix-it-up shop owner, Luis Rodriguez, on the Sesame Street. He played it for more than 40 years. I don't know that he played that part for more than 40 years. I feel like this is worded like the television series is, you know, 40 years old. And he's, I don't know that the fix-it shop owner was part of it for the whole time. But either way, rest in peace, Uh, Sesame Street character voice, Luis Rodriguez, dead. At the age of 41. And William Hurt. William Hurt. This one hurts. See what I did there? Uh, He passed away. (laughs) Uh, At 71. That really sucks because he's been working. He's got some other stuff in the can that's going to come out now post-death, which really stinks. Um, And I was thinking that how great he was in uh, Billy Bob Thornton's 
Goliath on Prime. Uh, he was, I mean, William Hurt was awesome on that uh, series, and it's you know it's over now. I think the I think the four seasons was the four the four uh, four seasons were was it. It was really good, and uh, on Amazon Prime, it was really good. So he's and and I guess he's been William Hurt that is had uh, terminal prostate cancer that had spread to the bone. I. I'm guessing everyone knew that. I guess it was announced a couple of years ago, but I don't, I don't remember ever hearing it. And uh, so he's been working and struggling for the last few years, man. I mean, that's that's sad. I liked William Hurt. I'm an Oscar-winning actor. Uh, I liked Bill, okay? So William Hurt, rest in peace at the age of 71. And another person in our Who Died Today segment. Um, well, not really. He didn't die. Tom Brady is coming back. I wanted to try to find a way to work Tom Brady in as Who Died Today, but I don't know that I could stretch it that far. Who died today? Tom Brady's. Oh, well, we could. All right. That's, you know what? Okay, here we go. You know, One more person in our Who Died Today segment. Tom Brady's retirement died. Uh this weekend <laughs> I know he's coming back so yay for those of you listening live today to Chewing the Fat it is the 14th of March 2022 and we have i have so many stories to share with you and so many cool things going on uh throughout the show and this week but i really wanted to uh, sit down with brad Meltzer, uh one of my favorite people in the whole world uh is here i'm talking face to face face to face eye to eye head to head nose to nose i'll stop he's here available wherever books are sold means that when I was purchasing carrots at Kroger this weekend, I ran across Brad Meltzer's new book, The Lightning Rod. So it literally is available wherever books are sold. Brand new book, The Lightning Rod. How are you, Brad Meltzer? I'm happy that it's in your grocer. That I will say that I've been, you know, this is 25 years of writing thrillers, and it's it's hard for me to impress my friends. But when I can get them yeah. in their grocery aisle, thank you. That's that, thank you. That You've my made goal. it. I know. I have it in my shopping cart. I made sure I kept it right up up at the top. I didn't throw it in with the right. No, no. And also, you want to advertise food. as you're rolling the yeah. car through the store. I appreciate absolutely. That. So, uh, how's it going? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Good to be here in face to face. Usually, we've been on for two years. We spent on Zoom. And I know. Like that. I know. It's been insane. So, your uh, your travel story for the book is. Chapter one. So lay it out for me. I got to do it. Lay it out for me because I will move on from chapter one. Because I love it. First first of all, the book was amazing. I I love it. I appreciate it. I love you for reading it. So every book starts with my great fear. And so my great fear is when you hand, the the character in the opening scene hands his car keys over to a valet at a fancy restaurant. Yeah, baby. And the valet takes the car. Instead of parking the car, he hits the little GPS button on the steering wheel, says the magic words, go home, and now the car plots a route to the man's house. 
the valet has his house keys because it's on his car keys. That's right. And now he's going to break into his house. This is a robbery. But as the valet breaks into the man's house, he sees another man waiting with a gun. This is not a robbery at all. This is a trap. Yeah. And when his body goes to our hero, Zig, who works at Dover Air Force Base, uh, who used to work there, he finds something on the body that no one else sees. And it leads to one of the most, the government's most closely guarded secrets. And I just ruined chapter one of The Lightning Rod to you. There's only two chapters in the whole book, but that's the way it goes. (laughs) No, I'm joking. The, um, but that's the opening, as you know, and and obviously the research and the fun go from there. Well, if you know the characters, I mean, uh, Nola, you know, is the uh, is the artist that we learned about that they have, and we learn uh, about some uh, warehouses uh, yeah. around the country, which I was an amazing. You didn't know that one, did you? Tidbit. No. Okay, so I mean, so, you surmise that kind of stuff, you know, because I mean, I th- I think we've all pulled into parking lots. Of warehouses where the I mean, and maybe even tried to pull into parking lots of buildings that say "go away" without saying without anything saying it. On I would them. say they yeah. never say "go away." No. The ones that make you but, go away make you feel like you should right. go away, and that's what these places are like. So this is true. You know, I've I've taken my readers in the underground tunnels below Disney World. I've taken them into the secret tunnels below the White House. I've You've taken even taken them, listeners to this show. I've taken into them to your meet office you tour. And, to meet you in your office. That is one of the most dangerous places in the whole world. And in this book, I found, I love the research. Obviously, it's fictional. It's all a thriller, but I love the real research. And for this one, we went and found out that there were actually about a dozen secret warehouses hidden all across the country to deal with bioterror attacks, whether it's anthrax, whether it's smallpox. And I'm like, you're telling me. I guess I'd kind of like to say thank you. Well, that's the thing. The whole thing about it is like, this is one of those times where the government does it right. It actually gets it right. I'm like, you're telling me the government has these warehouses that are. Within a couple hours, if there's an attack, they will have antidotes at your doorstep and no one can go inside and no one knows what's in there. I'm like, I want to know what's in there. So what you see when you're reading The Lightning Rod, what you see at the end of the book, the scene takes place at the end in that warehouse. I didn't make up what's in there. What's in there is really in there. And that's the fun of the ending is when when you turn that page and get to the end, you go, oh, crap. Now, uh, a question was asked of you as we were walking into the studio today. Oh yeah, uh, where you know where are the aliens? Where are the aliens? People. The funny thing was, I was surprised you asked me where the aliens are. I feel like America used to be so worried about aliens. We used to, you know, if you remember in the '60s, everyone had oh, a, yeah. spotted the, the UFO. Everyone spotted, and then what happened? Once we got cell phones and everyone had cameras, there were no more UFO yeah, sightings. A little, little shyer reporting. Right? <laughs> the reporting went down. I wonder why that happened, right? I don't know. And listen, I'm the. Fr- I, I, th- I ever tell you my UFO story? It's a fantastic story. So here's a true story. So I'm I'm living in New York at the time in Brooklyn, growing up as a little kid, and my mother points to the sky and says, "Oh my God, it's a UFO! It's a UFO! We 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 see a UFO! We see it blazing across the sky! We're like unbelievable! This is amazing! We're so excited!" And until we go in and watch the news that night or the next morning, I forget which one it is, and it literally is. There's a report that says the space shuttle landed. And it was a space shuttle flew over into a flyby tonight because it was coming. And that's what we saw. We saw the space shuttle. But, I, I, but for 24 hours, it was the greatest. Yes. It was so beautiful to see. And, and listen, I want to believe it. I believe mathematically that there's no way we're alone in the universe. Right. It's just, the universe is just too big. But I, I, when we went to uh, Area 51. Awesome. 
When we, we we literally decoded on 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 Brad Meltzer's decoded the, the greatest title show of all time. Ever tell and you possibly that? one of the greatest shows of all time. We love doing that for the History Channel, and I love the fact that they called it Brad Meltzer's decoded. Decoded, right? Because I was like, I said to my wife the other day, "Honey, what are we having for Brad Meltzer's dinner tonight?" Because <laughs> yesterday we had Brad Meltzer's pasta, and tonight I'd like to have Brad Meltzer's chicken. And you, as Brad Meltzer's wife, needs to get on that. Right? When she basically <laughs> said, "You can go sleep on Brad Meltzer's couch," is what she said. Um, so nice of her. Which was nice and not even joking so uh what anyway we went to area 51 with decoded i'm not i I can't even express to you how fast the black vans came out chasing us it was like the the only place they came faster now that i think about it the only place they came faster is when we went to fort knox fort knox was like and and yeah, and so when you see the black van, you know, like, okay, there's some good, we've got yeah. some good action here. So it was a fun one. I, yeah. I loved, I loved doing the, that show. I've seen security come up fast like that when we were in Israel. Oh, Israel's, we oh, Israel's going, not to be played we with. Going, oh, yeah, we were going up beyond. to the top, and where the heck were we? Anyway, we were on a road that you're not supposed to stop. And our guide said, "Well, I'm going to stop here. You're not supposed to stop, but we'll be fine." You know, just we want to stop and you can take a look and see the site here. We were up to Golden Heights. Yep. And, uh, we, and you're not supposed to stop here, but I'm going to stop here because I want you to see this. And he's oh, pointing. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't. No. It wasn't. Ten seconds. They were there. Oh yeah, I'll tell you my favorite Israel story. Amazing. My nephew's in Israel, and I think it was in Masada. And the, you're not supposed to obviously. You're never supposed to pick up any anything because it's considered. Right. You know, they That's don't want people taking ground, it home. It's yeah. sacred ground. And he picks up a rock, not even to take it, but he just picks it up because he's a kid and he wants to play with it. And I'm talking 10 seconds, someone comes over and says, put down the rock. (laughs) They were watching the little kid take the rock. I was like, they're watching everything there. There's security there. When I want to do, listen, I do a lot of study. When I do these books, I I went to one of the guys who who does like high-level security for the government, used to do high-level security in one of the top security agencies, acronym agencies. And I, I always talk to the top people. I, in fact, I said to him, I said, how does the government now even have private, how do we have private conversations with other? Like, Jeffy, how do you and I have a private conversation when the government can watch everything we do? And, yeah, and he said to me- It's almost uh, face-to-face in some dark corner, right? right? And, but I said, how, we, how do we send emails to each other and messages? He said, he said, listen, Brad, he said, the moment you hit send on an email, I don't care if you're using WhatsApp, I don't care if you're using Signal, you hit the send button, and it's in in in. It's there. Uh, it's in, in cyberspace. cyberspace. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Anyone who wants to crack it will crack. He says, "Here's what you're going to do. Here's the trick I'm going to give you." He said, "You're going to open up a Hotmail account. You're going to write it, write me an email." He said, "But don't hit send. Hit save draft, and then give your buddy Jeffy the sign into your email. Let him log in. Yeah, he's going to log in. Open your draft. I read, read this somewhere. Okay, in a book. I know you might have read this. And so then you hit save draft on yours. Now you and I are communicating. No one's ever sent the thing yeah. into cyberspace it's a great idea until general petraeus the former <laughs> head right. of the cia <laughs> uses that idea that's in our book the lightning rod to literally cheat on his wife yeah. with his mistress i said to my buddy that's the idea you gave me you got to give me a better one so he's like i got a better one for you so the one you see in black house i didn't make it up he gave me that 
Uh, I won't ruin it, but for the what Black you, House, yeah, the Black House. What what you see for that? I didn't make that up, and the secret that he gave me is is is. We used his. to do when uh, when we were doing uh, storm reports. If you didn't have, uh, if you couldn't call in to do storm reports for the radio station, you could. Uh, the idea was to have the people reporting live and make it as their voicemail, so that then I would call your phone oh, and get your voicemail, and clever. that would be the report. Just oh. a little thought, you know. Oh, I'll put that in a book. Thought. I could use that in a book. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. So that's you know that's that way. But then anyone the who calls gets the secret message. That made all the telemarketers get your secret message too. Correct. So if you want telemarketers to have your secret <laughs> message, I have the idea for you. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the latest book, The Lightning Rod, awesome. Uh, you've only you've had a few books. Uh, it's twenty five year anniversary now, right? Twenty five years of writing. Twenty five years. Got awful of pieces talking, of print. Talking to imaginary <laughs> friends, like literally, you can't be crazier than talking to imaginary friends. So you've got years. these. You have the kids' books. Uh, you've got uh, the Lincoln conspiracy. I think I know. I know you had the Washington. Well, the Lincoln conspiracy, I think, is my favorite. Yeah. So yeah. So we um, do. So so let's talk about this. So, so obviously, I write these thrillers like The Lightning Rod, and I also do nonfiction books as well because my love of history just runs too deep. So we did the the first conspiracy about the secret plot to kill George Washington, and then we did the Lincoln conspiracy that's, that's my about the plot to kill Abraham Lincoln. And it's not the plot by John Wilkes Booth, the, what we all know. It's actually a plot against Lincoln at the start of his presidency. Because to be sworn in as our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln has to take uh, has to go from where he lives in Illinois and come to Washington, D.C., raise his right hand and be sworn in. But the only way to get there, if you're going to take a train, is you got to go through Baltimore. Go through Baltimore. Bal- everything stops in Baltimore. And in Baltimore, there was a group of white supremacists who planned to murder him as he came through Baltimore. <laughs> QAnon. I mean, truly like the b- bananas. <laughs> I mean, they were ready to kill Abraham Lincoln on his way to be sworn in. He's protected. The scene in the book is there's a train moving in the middle of the night. Yeah. On the train are three people. None of them are who they say they are. They is a businessman. There's a woman and her and with an invalid brother. The man is not a businessman. He's actually Alan Pinkerton, the head of the Pinkerton Detective Agency. The woman is not a sister. She's Kate Warren, America's first, first female private yeah. eye. And the invalid brother is certainly not an invalid. He's certainly not a brother. That's Abraham Lincoln in disguise. They disguise him and hide him. That's how they save his life. And that's chapter one of the Lincoln conspiracy. <laughs> but what I loved about that book, here's what I loved about that book, which you and I, I don't think have spoken about. What I love about the book is we use that book and, and the murder plot is great and it's always yeah. fun, but is what it says about Lincoln. Because the Lincoln we all know is is kind of, you know, the Abraham Lincoln who gives us the Emancipation Proclamation and, and slavery and all the amazing things that we know him for and love him for. But what is fascinating to me is this is Abraham Lincoln before he's sworn in. So he's Abraham Lincoln 1.0. Right. When Abraham Lincoln finds out that he wins the nomination, you know what he's doing? He's on the back of his of his of where he works and he's playing handball with a bunch of kids. He's just a guy. And when he gets on the train, he loses his inaugural address. They misplace it because he's not that organized. Right, they don't know. When it. he goes to visit, the last place he goes before he leaves Illinois is he goes to see his mother, who's still alive. His dad's dead. He goes to his dad's grave to say goodbye to his father. He goes to see his mother, who's still alive. Yeah. His mother hugs him and says to him, I'm never going to see him again. They're going to kill him. And amazingly, of course, she's right. And you see this early Abraham Lincoln who's still figuring it out. And what I love is when he gets to D.C. and it gets sworn in for his first inaugural address, this is a point where 
half the country hates him. Yeah. Right? The country is divided in two already. Whatever side you're on, you hate the other side. You think the other side are horrible <laughs> people and morons. Does that sound familiar it to does. you, right? It does. It's a tad. Um, and in Abraham Lincoln, listen, the South, no one voted for Abraham Lincoln in the South because they didn't put him on the ballot. They wouldn't put his name on the ballot in the South. They said, no, we're not putting him on. We hate this guy so much. <laughs> so half the country didn't even vote for him, and he wins. And this is a point where, listen, he could do exactly what you know we see so many, we've seen so much lately, of course, is, is you know, where you feel like one side is being ignored yeah. by the other side. Like if you, when Trump was president, Democrats were like, you you just divided us. You don't even talk to us anymore. Now Biden's president, Republicans like, you don't talk to us. You hate us. Like whatever side you're on, you, we feel ignored. And I can tell you that what Lincoln is faces that exact situation. He could easily hate the opposite side in the South and say, yeah, you know doesn't. what, I'm, I hate you. And he goes in his inaugural address. And instead he says, we should be friends, not enemies. And we need to defer to the better angels of our nature. And I love the fact that Lincoln stands for that. I, that's what leadership is. Leadership's not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. Okay, so I have a couple things that I do want to talk to you about before you go. But one one things I want to talk about is what's next. What are you working on? You, obviously, the lightning rod's been done for 18 years now. You've had it in the can. Um, so, you know, how many kids' books you got? Are you writing? Yeah. How many novels are you writing? What's your next history book? What are you working on? Okay, so, what we, so here's what we're doing. So we got... The next kids book, so you know we do these kids book series in addition to fiction and nonfiction, we do a kids book series, uh, The Ordinary People Change the World series. You and I have spoken about so many times. We did I Am Amelia Earhart, I Am Abraham Lincoln, I Am George Washington. All fantastic, all, love We them, love yeah. them. Um, did I tell you about the, the banning of them? Do you want to talk about that? We should talk about well, that. Well, we talked a little bit. We, we talked you a little and bit. I talked you about, and I talked about it. You and I talked about it the day. Oh, was that the oh, right? The it was, day, right? We, we did speak about that day. We overturned it, right? We had to retape it. So right, so they ban our books. We overturn them. Here's what I found out since then. Right, you were you were the one I spoke to. I remember you calling me and being like, "We got to change it now." And I was like, Dude, "Oh my gosh!" Um, I looked through history. I was like, "Why did that ban happen? Why did they ban I am Rosa Parks and I am Martin Luther King Jr.?" Right, and I looked through history because I do believe that if you want to know the future, you look to the past. And I looked to see what was the first book that was banned in our modern United States. Like, what what was the first one as a as a country that got banned nationwide? There's always been little ones in pockets. Yeah, yeah. And the first book that historians tend to agree on is Harriet Beecher Stowe's classic Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah. Now, why that, did that it took right? A why did yeah. it why did it get banned? Because Jeffy, people who were slave owners didn't want the idea that slavery was bad being out in the public consciousness. <laughs> slave owners Terrible. didn't want the uh, abolitionist ideas being out there. They didn't want them indoctrinating our children. That's the word you still see now, right? Indoctrination. They're going to indoctrinate our children. Yeah. And if you ask people, you want yeah, your, well. your children indoctrinated? Hmm. 90% of people on both sides will say, of course not. No one wants their children indoctrinated. But if you ask people, hey, do you want to have a conversation about race that's age appropriate and, and, and so that maybe we can come together and be better people and get along better? 90% of Americans on both sides will say, absolutely. Sure. So I urge people out there, don't take the fear-mongering bait of like, they're trying to indoctrinate your children. They're trying to, that word indoctrination is used against the black community, the Jewish community, the Muslim community, the gay community, every community out there that has been used through history to target. And I really encourage people to not take the bait and be fear-mongered and instead say, wait a minute, why, why, do I, why should we have conversations about people who look different or act different than us? Because to me, if you're banning books and you're cheering while books are being pulled off the shelves of your library, you're on the wrong side of history. 
And I Amen. think we have to do better. Amen. All right, so. Uh, next book, sorry. So next book, they got me on my tirade, sorry. So next book is, um, we're doing, uh, oh, these are good ones. Coming in June, I Am, I Am Pei, the great architect okay. who did yep. the Louvre. We did it as a pop-up book. So when the Louvre oh, yeah. comes, it pops up, which I thought, I'm a genius that I invented this idea of this Been pop-up book. And not only did that, but they told me that the reason that now that I picked this pop-up book, I delayed the book by a year <laughs> because of the supply chain. So it was done two years ago, but it's finally coming out in June. And they've made, they were making, uh, I don't want to spend that Anyway, <laughs> uh, and then along with that, this is the book I know you're going to love. We're doing I Am Dolly Parton. I am a fan. Uh, we all she's are. Like, Nobody I isn't. Mean, hello. Uh, and so she's been, she, her team has helped us with the book. It's been so incredible to work with them, of course. So I Am Dolly Parton comes in June. In September, the Ordinary People Change the World series expands, becomes uh, not just Ordinary People Change the World, but Stories Change the World. We're doing I Am Superman and I Am okay. Batman. Hey, you got to get Superman in there. Got to get Superman. You know hello, my love buddy. of Superman. Um, and we're also doing I Am Wonder Woman. And uh, and then after that, we get to um, we do the new uh, nonfiction book, and that comes out. We're doing a it's a World War II book. I'm not going to talk about it yet because we got to they want to make the announcement in like a week or two. But it's it's amazing. It's a World <laughs> War II one that is an amazing story, real life story. And then after that, I'm I'm now currently working on the new Ziganola mystery okay good uh, basically a follow-up to the lightning rod i mean you got to be on work doing something i mean I why mean. would i just be sitting around like i always do <laughs> so you're a graduate of the university of michigan hail okay. to the victors yes uh ann arbor michigan yeah i was raised obviously in saginaw michigan yep and so i was born and bred to university of michigan maize and blue um and now your son is going there my son's going you there. went to law school at michigan columbia columbia okay I went to undergrad at Michigan. Are you are then you are you practicing law at all? Never. I never okay. I graduated never practiced. What law. has that how has that helped you? Well, first of all, it helped because I'm not a lawyer, right? So it means I'm like not miserable all the time. No, I mean, listen, I actually like the law. I found it interesting. I found it intellectually stimulating, but I, my passion was to write. And let me tell can I tell you my favorite Michigan story of the past two days? Because it's such a good one. I go for the for the Lightning Rob book tour, they put me in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. My son comes in from Michigan, drives down very, very okay. kindly to cheer me on, come, drives down from Michigan to Cleveland. And they announced that I went to Michigan and the whole place boos because obviously they're all yeah, Ohio, Ohio State, State fans. Yeah, okay? absolutely. And I said, you know what's so great about that boo? Is I said, all the books that you're buying tonight, all those sales are going to pay my son's tuition at your ride. <laughs> and they're, they're laughing. I'm like, I'm totally serious. Uh, serious you're going to do okay. it. So that was my favorite response to Ohio State fans of all time. And obviously we love that rivalry. Um, but, but to answer Plus, your all question. all the money from this room is going to the boosters. Right, yeah. exactly. Just as of tonight. <laughs> right. So, but to answer your question, you know, I think what the law did for me is it, you know, when I sat down in law school for the first day, the dean of the law school looked out at all of us and he said, let me tell you what the power of a lawyer is. He said, pick up any newspaper on any day and lay the front page out in front of you. And every single story on that front page involves a lawyer, every single one of them. No matter how big it gets, there's always a lawyer involved. So you're gonna be in there in the mix of things you'll never anticipate. And what I love about that for me, and I think, listen, we all know that's a problem, not just a good thing. That right, a lawyer right, of and everything, of course. But it showed me kind of where, where some of those levers are in the world in things you don't think about. And and listen, I wouldn't be here. My first book was about the Supreme Court. Right. That was 
set in the Supreme Court about a Supreme Court clerk who inadvertently leaked the decision before it was announced to the public. Without law school, I don't know how that works. I didn't know that there are 27-year-old kids helping the justices right, write the decisions, right. that they're not writing them themselves. They're certainly voting, but it's being researched. All the writing is done by law clerks just out of law school. I was like, I didn't know it worked like that, but man, I'm in. Count me in. And right. I love the fact that it, you know, it showed me how the White House counsel's office works. It showed me how so many things that I research, and even even understanding yeah, Abraham it, Lincoln it, as a lawyer, he, he was a lawyer. I, I had I, I talked to one uh, person who had you know obviously as a lawyer, and they believed that it helped them so much in their thinking process, you know, in that linear thinking. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't. You know, the, what the law teaches you to do is, you know, people think that the, that law school teaches you how to kind of bang the desk and scream, I object your honor and everything we say well, on I mean, law I can order. get my gavel out here Right, get you, your bro. gavel out I've in your room. i got my gavel, no problem. You do have the gavel. He does. That is a real gavel for those who are listening. He, <laughs> did, he truly, that wasn't his head against the desk. That was a gavel. It could have been, but it was It could wasn't. have been, right, same sound. Um, but the truth was, is what they teach you in law school is how to research and how to write. You research and research and research. Like when you when they say, is this law constitutional? You don't just say, well, I feel it is. Yeah, it probably is. I probably, you know, you know <laughs> I got a gut feeling. What you do is you're told to go to the law and you go to the case law or you go to the constitutional well, I mean, so law. So much of law today is based on case law. Right, you go to what the previous decisions were. You read what the rules are. You know, Seinfeld has a great line that says, lawyers are the ones who read the inside of the box top for the rules for Monopoly. That's who knows how to play Monopoly. That's what lawyers are. And so there we are. And I love the fact that they taught me that. They taught me when I have when I want to know, hey, how do we pick a Supreme Court justice? I don't just say, well, how do I think it is? Go research. Here's how you research. Here's how you digest it. Here's how you put it together. And that's what the law gave me is that kind of way to train my brain to and, and my they, body to go research and to figure it out. And that's why the books are so great. And the latest one, The Lightning Rod from Brad Meltzer, available wherever books are sold. Brad, I love you. Thank you. Love you, pal. It's time for the Bingo Whisperer. Make sure you listen to Pat Gray Unleashed every day to get your bingo squares crossed off with the possibility to win. Be the first caller when the bingo happens at 888-900-3393 and you could win. But if you can't listen every day, I'm here to tell you what squares got crossed off each day. Biden. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. 15 days to flatten the curve. I haven't grown a third tail. Wait, they did that today? That's funny. I still haven't. <laughs> I still haven't grown one. Keith's watershed moment. <laughs> Suboptimal. What a world. That could be the entire big ghost sheet. It's just what a world, because that happens from Pat every day. Keith, I mean, which is really my line, come to think of it. So you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven squares crossed off today. Remember, it's just between you and me. You can't tell anybody. Okay, thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat. 
stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.